Hello and welcome to Kicking Balls, the podcast where two 20-something Americans give out a whole lot of opinions on soccer as if they're fact. Hello. Hello. We are back. Yep. Little bit um, different time of week than we're normally around, but um, with everything, with us not being able to record last week, and then um, obviously the holidays this coming week, um, we're here. We're here. This is it, when you get us. So, yeah. It also works well because all the festive fixtures start on like Thursday. So we can just do like a podcast after all of those. Yeah, because if it's really hard to sort of find a place in the middle of all the fest- festive fixtures um, to get a get a geez, re- uh, I can't speak to record one in there. So we'll probably just wait till they're all done um, and then do a big old big old boy at the end of it. Um, did but, you know Barcelona's nine points behind Girona? Sorry, this um, we I discuss later, but I don't think I realized there was that large of a gap. I was aware that there was a decently large gap. I did not know specifically that it was nine points. Um, what well, we might as well talk it while you brought brought it up. Um, Barca is going out of order. So sorry. Yeah, Barca's in a little bit of trouble. Um, they got hit pretty badly with injuries this year. Um, yeah, really. Frankie Dong was out for most of the big chunk first chunk of the season he's back now but um mark andre ter stegen is now out who i'm gonna be honest as their goalkeeper has done a lot of work both last year and this year to keep them in games that they really should be in Um, and so not having him is a really tremendous loss um and then i think most notably gabby uh that you can yeah that's a big loss a couple weeks ago um or I guess oh, it's like it was kind of a, a while ago. A month but, ago, uh, probably, yeah. About a month ago. Um, so that's a really big loss. They've had, and then they've had like a number of players who have like either niggling injuries or like a small injuries here and there. Like they just can't really get their full squad in order. Yeah. Which is not helping the situation. I don't think it's a hundred percent of the problem at Barca, but it's just like not going great over there right now. We'll see. We'll see how it goes from here. But um, yeah, they're they're in a little bit of of issue. And then um, Real Madrid is is also not in first, which I think is really more surprising than Barcelona not being for, in first. Is that the team in first is not is neither Madrid yeah. team, not yeah. Madrid or Atletico Madrid. It is uh, Girona. So, a um, little bit of a Cinderella story going on. I mean, I'm the- kind of loving it. I'm like, I'm, I'm. Why would I not root for them? Yeah, it's pretty fun. I'm. It's hopefully they can. You know, it'd be nice. It's been a really long time. It's since been some- so long. They also have like such a. It's like, I mean, that's a small city. It's just like, I don't know. Wouldn't it be so nice for a different team to finally win La Liga? Well, that's what I mean. Like, it's been so long since somebody other than one of the Madrids or Barcelona won La Liga. Like, it would it would just be fun. It would be fun. Um, so hopefully they can keep their momentum up. Um, but nonetheless, Barcelona is struggling a little bit right now. Um, we'll kind of see 
where the time goes if they bring anyone in in January and whatnot, which is also something that I like kind of forgot about was a thing that could happen. Like we could be seeing transfers in the next month. I mean, um, I didn't like forget that it was happening. I think I just like haven't realized it's December yet. And I feel like it's just yeah, no, like, yeah, I agree. I keep thinking of the January window as like something far off. And yeah, it's, it's like not that it's far like off. Less than a month like, away. It's, like a couple of weeks away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, we'll leave that as our little other league aside um to kick us off and so sorry. And- was very random the premier league um slightly out of order strange that we we always do the premier league first so it was more that i opened up my phone and it was the first thing that i saw which was yeah la liga table and i was like okay yeah um but we'll move right into um the latest in the um this past i guess this game week started on friday yeah Yes, Spurs beat Nottingham Forest. Spurs beat yeah. Nottingham Forest. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch the highlights. I had no idea what happened, but you would expect the scoreline. So, two nothing Spurs. Um, moving to Saturday morning, another two nothing game. Chelsea beat Sheffield United two nothing. Um, Cole Palmer uh, scored one and assisted the other. I saw a funny meme that was basically that Cole Walker. Um, Cole Walker, Cole Palmer, Jesus. Um, <laughs> looking at something else. Well, um, because what I was gonna say is Cole Palmer is walking a trash bin. Um, it was that was the meme. It was like a, a man, and it said Cole Walker, and then he's walking like a trash bin out to the curb, and the <laughs> trash bin says Chelsea. Um, but the basically the implication being that Cole Palmer is dragging. Yeah, the trash fire that is Chelsea into somewhat respectability. Um, I think they're which in tenth place so now. So what? They're in tenth place now. Which I I just thought it was a funny meme. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I did a really bad job of explaining that because my brain was working too fast for my mouth. But um, anyway, it's fine. Moving on. <laughs> Manchester City. Um, that mm, we tied Crystal Palace two two. Um, I don't have a ton more to add to what I said about sure. than what the last time I sort of discussed City's woes. Yeah. Uh, I think I'd continuously find it. For, and somebody, I think it was one of, I think it was the American Citizen on Twitter who tweeted it, but I'm not 100% sure. It was one of the um, City Twitter accounts, um, like fan accounts. And they said something along the lines of like, I'd be less frustrated if we weren't beating ourselves. Um like yeah. I'd be less frustrated if we were like actually playing badly. Um, yeah. And I feel the same way because Crystal Palace did not have a shot on goal until the 75th minute of this game. Yeah. Like for us to then give up two goals in the last 15 minutes of the game is just bad. It's just bad. It's, and it's like, it's a lot. And like, part of it was like a little bit of bad luck, right? Like the penalty kick, the second goal, their second goal was a penalty kick, which was like, yeah, I did. I did watch that just to see what it was. Like, well, it's like it was one of those things where like Phil Foden had possession of the ball and he went to boot it upfield and didn't see the the Crystal Palace player coming across him and yeah, like didn't act luck. fast enough when he did. Like, yeah. there's no intent to kick the player. It's just yeah. bad luck, right? Yeah, like, he's not, 
he's not like he just didn't know the guy was coming right yeah no it's yeah penalty. like there's no arguing that that's right like, it, i mean there's just not i mean i saw it i was like well like it is but it's like, yeah it's one of those like it is what it is it's gonna like, never not be but like it's like it, it sucks because like right but it's not like like it, it's hard to say like oh phil foden did something wrong you know what i mean like it's just bad luck it is what it is yeah i, I mean yeah but, that's just how it works you know, he maybe maybe you could say he should be a little bit more aware of his surroundings, like that the player was coming in that quickly. Um, but nonetheless, that's really beside the point. Like it's really beside the point that they gave a penalty kick at all because the just it should have the game should have been done and dusted by then. Like there's no reason right. yeah. that he'd been giving up a lot of goals in the last 15 minutes of their matches. They've been keeping clean sheets and winning by one, two, three goals going into the final 15 minutes and then giving up two, three goals in the last little chunk of the game. And that to me, there's, there's two things there. I think one is, I think losing Doku is a little rough in terms of there's not a whole lot that city can bring off the bench um like who we bring off the bench in terms of like pure attacking talent right like like okay so who do we usually bring off the bench okay um you bring off Nunez on Nunez who is a good player but not he's a midfielder you know he's not going to be like whatever um Kovacic you bring off the bench okay and then it's like academy guys right like I'm a big fan of Oscar Rob I think he's great but he's still like, you know, yeah. like a fresh young kid. True. Um, same thing with uh, Micah Hamilton, who scored his Champions League debut goal last week, which we'll discuss in a moment. But like Graylish getting that little knock and then Doku getting that little knock and now Holland has a little knock. It's just kind of like, it's just kind of like, like nobody's like hurt, hurt, right? Like they're just out for a couple of games, but it sort of stifles our ability to make substitutions yeah. in a weird way. And I think like, for example, like a lot of city fans and this like ticked me off. This is one of the first times I've been like annoyed at other city fans on Twitter. Um, but a lot of city fans like have a lot to say about Phil Foden playing in the midfield. Um, and it always pisses me off because I, I like kind of don't understand <laughs> what they're talking about. Like, I mean, I understand what they're talking about, but I, I like, it frustrates me because I think they're missing the point. Um, but essentially a lot of them talk about how he loses the ball sometimes in the middle of the field. Right. And it, and I'm kind of like, like, I don't think you guys understand what his purpose is in the middle of the field. Like, yeah. I think you want him to be Kevin De Bruyne when he plays in the Kevin De Bruyne spot. And it's like, that's, no, like he's going to play in the seven, but people play that position differently. He's yeah. never going to play that position like Kevin De Bruyne plays it or like Gundogan plays it. That's not what he does. Yeah. And if you, and, and, and I'm kind of like, Pep knows that that's not what he does. Like, trust me, Pep knows. Like yeah. his, the, like the pundits say this as well. Like Phil Foden is one of, if not the best, pocket player in the premier league like you stick him in that pocket behind the forward and he's there's nobody who can he can do it as good as anybody else yeah like yeah i think i definitely think that's true 
right? Like that's what his purpose is. If he's going to play centrally is to play in that pocket. He's not playing. He's, he's a pocket 10. If he's playing as a 10, he's playing in that pocket behind the nine. Yeah. And that's like, it's almost a false nine position, like with an actual nine in there. Yeah. Um, It's, it's played similarly to how you play a false nine. And, and that's why Phil Foden, aside for a moment, is so good at the false nine. (laughs) But like, I think there's a misunderstanding of like, they want him, a lot of people want him to be Kevin De Bruyne when he plays in there. And that's, he's never going to be Kevin De Bruyne when he plays in there. That's not what he does. Yeah. And they're just a different player. Yeah. And just, he serves a different purpose. And the idea that like Pep doesn't know that is very like, frustrated like people are like why is he playing in the why does pep play him in the midfield he's not going to control the game there that way and it's like i promise you pep knows that like i i promise you he knows <laughs> like it's like if you see something pep probably has seen it like two years ago like, like i promise like this is also this is like not new information like it's not like yeah. this is the first time phil Foden ever played through the middle like we know what it looks like when he plays there right. the problem is that in the past when he played in the central he played with like Rodri and De Bruyne or Rodri and Gundogan who yeah. are both guys who are going to make up for the fact that Phil Foden is inevitably sometimes going to lose the ball from that yeah. central position yeah um and right now that's not it's Rodri and then another guy in that 10 is somebody who loses the ball it's Bernardo Silva or it's Julian Alvarez or yeah. you know it's th- those players play that sort of midfield role similarly to Phil Foden in the sense that they are not as ball secure right like you're not they are going to give up the ball sometimes in the name of creativity that is what happens with players that are electric and creative that way sometimes they give up the ball like it happens that's part of the yeah. game yeah um, I agree I, if Doku was healthy, I would have liked <laughs> to see Graylish and Foden both play in the center mm. um, because I think Graylish will hold on to the ball and provide some of that security in the middle there, which would then allow Foden a little bit more leeway when he gives up that ball. Um, or alternatively, I'd like Rico Lewis played pretty advanced this weekend, which I liked, but um it's just it's a weird there's like a weird there's like weird stuff going on at city in terms of like it's just and I'm once again I said it before when I talked about it but I'm gonna say it again like the Kyle Walker thing is starting to drive me a little crazy yeah you were saying this to me I don't know when you said this to me I think I said it the last time we recorded oh maybe (laughs) I'm gonna repeat myself on the Kyle Walker front because it's really hurting me one of the reasons Kyle Walker almost left last summer and I really didn't want him to leave. Yeah. The reason I didn't want him to leave is because Kyle Walker serves a very specific purpose in a very specific circumstance that is almost impossible to replace. And that is how quickly like foot speed, but also how good he is at recovery runs when Mm -hmm. he needs to track down somebody like Kylian Mbappe. Yeah. Or Vinicius Jr right like those guys that are lightning fast and excellent on the ball somebody who can go and slow them down that is what Kyle Walker does yeah and that is what Kyle Walker did in the back half of City's treble run last year that allowed City to be in positions where they could win the treble right like Kyle Walker serves that purpose 
I do not think he should be playing if we do not have a player that if we are not facing a player that is that threat, right? If we are not being threatened. And so like, for example, if we're playing Spurs and you want, and you're worried about Son. Yeah. Put Kyle Walker in. I'm cool with that. We're playing, you know, a Manchester United that's in better shape than they are right now. And you're worried about Rashford. Put him in. Yeah. You know, we're playing PSG. Put him the fuck in. I want him on Mbappe, right? Like, playing Real Madrid, I want him on Vinicius. Like, that's not... So I want him on the team, but I don't think he should be the first name on the team sheet every single game, which it seems like he is right now. And I know some people don't agree with this, but I like it when Pep does weird shit with the back line. (laughs) I like the weird shit with the back line. Um, And... Kyle Walker prevents us from doing weird shit with the back line. Almost everybody else that plays defense for Manchester City, uh, John Stones, Diaz, uh, Akanji, Ake, Rico Lewis, everybody else can do weird shit. You can kind of stick them anywhere in any kind of thing and they'll figure it out. Kyle can't do weird shit the way that the rest of them can. No, he has a purpose and his one. He has a purpose and his purpose isn't working right now because it isn't necessary it's not necessary in a lot of these games and in a lot of these games it's not required and so like he's superfluous basically yeah and I think there was somebody pointed out there was like a a highlight reel essentially a couple weeks ago now that was like Phil Foden was playing on the right um in front of Kyle Walker and it basically was like a bunch of times where Phil Foden wanted the ball and should have gotten the ball and Kyle Walker doesn't give him the ball like at all ever yeah and it's like the way that Kyle Walker plays right back is is just doesn't work with a lot of the other stuff that City is best at and so Kyle Walker is best deployed in those specialized situations where you have a player where you need Kyle Walker speed with it right that's why as soon as Kyle Walker loses his pace I don't want him anymore because that's what he's good and so like and you hate to be like oh this guy but I'm kind of starting to be like oh this guy like I like Kyle Walker but I'm starting to be annoyed about it because I don't think I think he's a problem and I don't understand why I don't know what Pep sees that I can't see and I'm sure there's something because Pep is way smarter than me but Mm -hmm. like I can't figure it out right like I can't figure it out and I think part of it is that Kyle Walker is one of the captains and Kevin De Bruyne is kind of the other captain and De Bruyne obviously has been gone like and not just injured like he hasn't been in Manchester really like he's been oh, well he's I didn't been, like, realize that often well he's been off and on in Manchester like I think his kids go to school in Manchester but he hasn't like he's been like in doing a couple like he's been it's like he hasn't been around the team constantly sure. yeah like and so I think part of it that I said there are two problems with City one is the sort of substitution issue the second I think is you lose, you drop that many goals and you ultimately lose that many points in the final 10, 15 minutes of games. That to me says it's a mentality issue. 
that right. there is a, that there's a mental breakdown happening in that last chunk of the game, whether yeah. it's the guys are tired and they're just flipping off or they think they have it in the bag and they're turning off a little bit or their brains are just not quite working. I don't know what it is, yeah. but they are, they're losing a step there in that last thing. And that's gotta be mental. And I think not only will Kevin De Bruyne's return be good for his aspect on what he contributes on the pitch, right? But I also think Kevin De Bruyne is a mentality monster. And so his presence back in the locker room will also be very helpful. Yeah. Um, And on that note, nothing has made me happier on a Monday in maybe literally my life. And Kevin De Bruyne um, was back in training today. Um, I I still don't expect to see him play until the new year at the very least. Um, but it was, I like literally my heart like started to like a little flutter um, oh, when I saw the pictures of him back in training. Like he's, he is, he is my favorite active player right now. And he's, maybe my favorite player ever mm-hmm. um I love him so much and I'm so he looked so happy to be back on the pitch I was like oh my god <laughs> I'm so happy that he's like back training I don't think he did like full training with the team it's not clear but he did at least some of it with the team which is nice to see um like I said I don't expect to see him for two, at least two and three more weeks um until after the sort of festive fixture period um but you never know I don't really know it's hard to say um yeah but I don't expect him back for a couple of games now but it's definitely getting to like it's close like it's gonna be close right yeah um which like I said I think not only will be great to have him back in that midfield but I also think it will be very helpful in like mentality leadership aspects as well because I think um he'll be beneficial for that um yeah I think that'll be that'll be good I'm very excited um I did just want to throw this this is like a kind of an aside but I saw it in relation to Kevin De Bruyne's photos of him being back in training today and I also saw a little bit of it last week when there were some city um accounts tweeting about the club world cup essentially oh um, that was a thing yeah that's happening this week um (laughs) but I just want to say, like, generally into the universe. I think, actually, not I think, it is. It is in very, very, very poor taste. Not even it's in poor taste. It's It makes you a shitty person. If you are wishing injury, and in particular ACL injury, on other players that do not play for the team that you are playing for. Um, And if you are out there running your mouth like that on the internet, I very sincerely hope for you that neither you or anyone you are close to ever tears their ACL. Yeah, I agree. Not fun. Because that's a dreadful thing to say. And I know that we say shitty things about each other's players and we talk shit or whatever. Um, But to see photos to see city fans being excited that Kevin De Bruyne is back in training and your first 
thing that you do is to go under those tweets and go, I hope he tears his ACL. Like you're awful. Like you're, you're a bad person. Like I don't, and or like, I, I saw similar tweets that were like, hope Rodri's tears his ACL in the club world cup. Like that makes you a bad person. You shouldn't do that. That's a dreadful, you shouldn't be wishing injury on anything, anybody, but that is a dreadful injury to be wishing upon people. And I hope that that doesn't happen to you or anybody that you care about because it has happened to people I care about. And yeah, like, it's, it's really, it's really, really bad. <laughs> like, I, I know that like people run their mouths on social media and they say shit and like, that's all fine and dandy. Like everybody does it. You talk a little shit. It's fine. Talk shit amongst fans. But like, you I've said it, I've said it in the past, we've had discussions about like, it takes some of the win out of it. If you beat somebody when their best players are injured. Yeah. Also, it's just like, it's more fun to beat somebody. It's not like I want them to have an injury. Like, yeah, it's like, I want somebody to A, I want somebody to, I want to beat somebody at full strength and B, like, I don't suck. So I don't wish injury upon people. Like that's not a good thing to be doing so like there are some thoughts that you can just keep to yourself and maybe like try to unpack that a little bit about why you're doing that and like go outside touch a little bit of grass and like like go on a walk I don't know like reevaluate your life that's like yeah that's just a really awful thing and there's a lot of stuff on social media that's awful and a lot of people saying awful things and doing awful things but like you just we don't need to be doing that we don't there's enough people having devastating and career-ending injuries in this sport that you do not need to be wishing them onto other people yeah whether you hate their team or not I don't care like no don't do that and that's my public service announcement for the week because there was a little too much of that going around and I just think it's nasty so Yep, I uh, I would agree. Like, just don't do that. Ew. Don't do it. It's not um, fun. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Newcastle beat Fulham three nothing. Um, bit of a role reversal there in the sense that Fulham has been doing quite well recently, and Newcastle has struggled a bit in recent weeks. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, Fulham did go down to ten men about twenty minutes in. So yeah. That was probably a contributing factor. Most likely. Um, and then Everton beat Burnley 2-0. Yeah, Everton seems to be on a bit of a tear, to be honest. Um, they lost 10 points, and now they have to, they're trying to regain all of them. Yeah, and they seem to be doing it fairly successfully, to be honest. Yeah. They're Quite impressed, like, actually. They're kind of like, only we can take 10 points from ourselves. And like, still end up being okay. Yeah, like, um, anyways, they said, they kind of said challenge accepted. Um, that was Saturday's games. Um, Sunday, Brighton early, we saw Arsenal play Brighton. The floor is yours. Uh, as, I, as I yawn. Uh, yeah, I hadn't seen this because we hadn't beaten Brighton at home in like two years or something, which was wild to me. Um, before this game, um, I don't know, we looked good. 
I feel like we probably should have had more goals than two goals. Uh, we had 16 shots in the first half, and uh, Brighton had zero. Nice. But we didn't score at all in the first half. Wow. Um, we were a little bit off target. I think we were getting good chances. Um, it felt kind of just like another standard win. Like, we did our thing. We scored the goals that we needed to score. Um, we scored early in the first half, and then right when Brighton looked like they might be trying to push for um, a tie, we, we scored another one in, like, the 80th minute and kind of put the game to bed. And it wasn't anything fancy, really. And it just felt like kind of a routine win, which from Arsenal is nice. Um, I feel like to our lineup, well, actually, that's not true. I guess because Ben White. I was about to say that I feel like our um, lineup has been playing. People haven't been getting injured, but I think that that's a lie. Um, again, shaky part of the lineup. Raya and Goal had a couple of uh, moments, which there's no solution to. So I talked about this last week. I don't think there's anything more that can be done on that level. Um, surprisingly, the midfield of Rice, Odegaard, and Havertz is weirdly working. I'm going to say Havertz scored again. Yeah, he's figured his shit out, man. I did say we did to give him some time. I also was like, oh my goodness, he sucks at the same time. But we gave him time, and I think he's figuring. I think he's slotted into that midfield well, and if he can figure out, he pushes higher. So, like, someone said this. He's, like, six feet. I'm like, get his ass in the box and just cross the ball onto his head. Like, he had it at all? I feel like I've never seen him head the ball. No, I don't either, but I'm like, what are we doing? Just if bounce it off his face. Yeah, <laughs> like, just, just aim at his head. He doesn't have to do anything. Just yeah. stand there and let it go into the goal. Um, I feel like he's headed balls in. I honestly think one of his goals. I'm sure he has. I'm sure. The I'm goal sure. he scored was not a header. It was uh with his foot. Uh, <laughs> as they generally Gabriel are. Gabriel Jesus scored with a header off a corner kick as the first goal. To which our corner, there was a stretch where like I think Martinelli took four corner kicks in a row, yeah. and let me tell you. They were identical every single time. He put them into the same exact spot every single time, and we didn't score at any one of them. But I was like, "Holy shit! Talk about consistency, man!" Yeah, that's been. If your guy's putting them in the same exact spot, you should be scoring, though. Come on, bro. Yeah. Again, I would have liked to see more goals out of this. I mean, we dominated Brighton. You know, like we definitely. uh, dominated it's just like let's get like four goals mm-hmm. but also sometimes you don't want to get greedy I also feel like they should save them for Liverpool coming up this weekend so I don't know I feel like we haven't really like we haven't looked as good as we've looked last as we looked last year but still for somehow I feel like we look more solid like we look like I would, yeah, I would say your best moments probably don't look as good as your best moments last year, but your overall level is higher. Like yeah, that's what I think. Moments, you know, we don't have as many highs and lows potentially. I'm not sure if that's the case. I think or that just... we played pretty shittily against Aston Villa last week, but um, tends to be a thing going around. <laughs> tends to be a thing. I see. Yeah. Um, um, 
But anyway, I think that we're looking good. I mean, we're now top of the league uh, due to Liverpool tying United, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I have not... I don't have much to complain about. I think that, like, we should try, fingers crossed, we get through, like, the next set of game with no injuries. I think that's probably. Yeah. It's that time of year where you start to get worried about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Moving along, Aston Villa-Brentford. Aston Villa beat Brentford 2-1. to one. Um, It's a drama-filled game. Did you see the highlights of this game? I... Saw Ollie Watkins's goal, I think. There was, like, two red cards, and, like, people were throwing punches. Oh, damn. I didn't know that. I missed that. Yeah. It was... Oh, no, wait, that was Liverpool. Anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, some drama there, I guess. Sounds about right. I think it was because someone... What, did someone play for Brentford, and now they're on Aston Villa, and then everyone got pissed? Hmm. I think. I will investigate. Oh no, maybe not. I think Ollie Watkins scored though, and then like taunted the crowd. I mean, that feels right. Not really sure what happened. All I know is that there was quite a scuffle. Apparently. Anyways. Anyway. Aspel takes the points. Um, West Ham beat Wolves three nothing. Um. Lucas Paqueta had a hat trick of assists. I love to see it, honestly. Yep. Um, which then brings us to, uh, like the the you know what do they call it? The headlining game of the weekend. Yes. Was Liverpool Man U. Um, it ended in a draw, zero zero. There was a little bit of drama. Um, it was Diego Dallo was sent off. Oh, I didn't really understand what was going on there. He was sent off in the end for, I believe, one of those double yellow card situations where it was, he got a yellow card and then he like, he either kicked the ball away. So he or... dissented and got a yellow card and then he dissented two seconds later for the yellow card and then got another yellow card. Yeah, something like, like that. Um, and I know that there were some, some moans um, because, which I'm not going to lie, I think are understandable. Yeah, I think because so Darwin Nunez got a yellow card quite early in the first half, I believe, in like the first half of the first 20 minutes, I think. Um, and at some point after that, kicked a ball away. Um, or like I well, I know he kicked a ball away, but like kicked a ball away and like did co- that kind of shit. Yeah. And the Premier League referees have s- done a lot of talk about how they're not tolerating that kind of dissent anymore. And we've seen, I've seen several times this year, uh, you kick the ball away, it's a yellow card. Like, period. And for some reason, Darwin Nunez kicks the ball away and it was not a second yellow card. Now, do I think that's dumb shit to get sent off for? Yes. Yes, I do. But I have seen a variety of different players get sent off for that. <laughs> yeah. And I think it comes back to, and Diego Dallo towards the end of the game was sent off for similar things. Again, dumb, arguably. I mean, yeah, it was dumb, but like, but I, I don't think you give of... someone a second yellow in the same phase as you giving them the first yellow over the same thing. Like, I just don't think that you do that. 
Um, well, um, I think like I, I, my point being is that we there's it, it once again comes back to the Man United fans, you know, bitching and moaning about um, Nunez should have been sent off for his descent. I would argue that they're probably right because we've seen a lot of players get sent off for that sort of thing this year. And it all comes back to the constant issue with premier league referees, which is consistency. Yeah. Um, It actually came up in the city game this week. Um, Alvarez had scored off of a free kick that got called back because somebody, I forget who was in an offside position. Sure. And, didn't touch the ball and didn't try to play the ball, but you know, was ruled to have interfered with play. Right. Yeah. yeah um, my, and it, and it only came up as a contentious point and it wasn't really a contentious point, but it only came up as a little bit of a topic because we've seen so many of them not called like called as goals even though there was a player in an offside position who appears to have interfered with play. Yeah. Um, and essentially, and I tweeted out during the game, but I think that it's true of this situation with Man U and Liverpool as well, is that 99% of the problem that most people have with referees is that there is inconsistency in these kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. And there's, there are always going to be things that are subjective and like human error aspect to it, right? Like there's always going to be things and I get that, but there the margin of error should be smaller than it is like the area of subjectivity should be a lot smaller than it is why was you know dalo's a a double descent but nunez's wasn't because i don't understand right why is you know what was it city had a goal ruled a goal a couple weeks ago um when akanji was in an offside position oh yeah that was pretty that was a bad one too and it seemed like he interfered with play yeah, but they needed it. a goal, right? They yeah. said he interfered with play. Honestly, I think Akanji interfered with play a couple weeks ago more than whoever it was that was offside this past week, right? Yeah. Like, I there's just right, like, and and that's just two city calls. Um, one went for city and one went against city. I think they should have been the same call, right? Like, either they're both interfering with play or neither of them are interfering with play. Yeah, because in both cases the ball comes close to the said offside player. Both players are clearly offsides, but in neither, but in both cases, the player doesn't try to play the ball. They're just in the way. Right. Yeah. And it's like, there needs to be, we need to be consistent about it. Right. Like that's the issue is that if you're giving yellow cards for kicking the ball away in five other games, then it needs to be every game. Right. Like needs to, if you kick the ball away, you get a yellow card. Yeah. Like, yeah there can't be different referees having different standards for things like descent, especially when it's descent or time wasting. Right. Right. That's a very clear cut. Did you kick the ball? Did you not kick the ball? Right. Yeah. You kick the ball, you get a yellow card. Right. Like that's like, there's no subjectivity to that. We just need to decide if that is something that is getting, getting deserving of a yellow card. If that's something that we're deciding is a yellow card, which it seemed like we were, yeah and it needs to always be a yellow card there should be yeah. no instances where it's not a yellow card yeah or if you're deciding if you get up in the referee's face and you're talking whatever you're in the referee's face it's a yellow card then that should be a yellow card every time yeah, there's no 
There's not once you do that, then players are gonna stop doing it. They don't want to get right. a yellow card. But right now, like sometimes but they get away with it, and sometimes it, they don't. So get you away don't. With you it. might get a yellow card, but you might not, and so it's worth the risk. I have I have long been a proponent of a to cut down on the who can talk to the referee and who could can't. Yeah. Only the captain is supposed to be allowed to talk to the referee. Only you get anybody who talks to the referee without the referee talking to them first, right? If the referee initiates the conversation, then you can talk. But if you go, the only person who should be able to make any sort of argument to the referee is the captain. There's one player on each team. That's it. Yeah. Anybody else gets a yellow card. Yeah. Then then suddenly your dissent problem is solved. Because anybody who doesn't Anybody who isn't wearing that captain's armband that says something to the referee without the referee saying something first gets a yellow card. Yeah, I just think it has to be a little then bit And there's more. no subjectivity to it. There's no, he said it politely, he didn't say it politely. Because we don't know what the players say. We can't hear it. Yeah. Like, but it gets rid of that subjectivity, right? It eliminates subjectivity where there doesn't need to be subjectivity. Yeah. And then if the referee wants input from players, which they sometimes do, the referee can approach the player. Yeah. Like, the captains or the or the players can speak to their captain and then the captain can approach the referee yeah but that's that eliminates some of this subjectivity to it right and it forces the players to get a hold of their goddamn tempers because the i think that that's a problem in men's football is that they let them they let they're allowed to lose their heads in a way that they should stop yeah i agree um and we talk on and on and on about how the referees are shit, but at the same time, the referees are like, well, nobody respects us. And it's like, well, we can do some things to, to solve these problems. Yeah. One, we can create some standardization. There are rule, there are, there's room for black and white answers to some of the subjectivity calls, right? Some things are forever going to be subjective. But there's some room for black and white in here that we can implement, right? That yeah, makes I agree. that makes it a little bit easier, right? In yeah. some cases. And then there are there are things that we can do that make it easier for the referees to do their jobs. Like nobody's allowed to talk to the referee except for the captain. Like <laughs> and that's yeah, technically yeah. supposed to be the rule anyway. It is the rule. But just no it's never it. Nobody follows it because it's not enforced. If you started giving a ref a yellow card to any player who talks to the referee that's not wearing captain's armband, you'd have a lot less players talking to the referees. Yeah, which is probably would be a good thing. Yeah, because if the referees are like bitching and moaning or scared of being, you know, hounded, yeah, and you know, we solve that problem. Sounds like a plan. Look at us. Look at us solving all the problems of all the problems. Um, any any last notes? Well, I guess um, upcoming we have the festive features starting this week on Thursday. They then run Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we skip um Christmas Day itself and we run to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's- ridiculous Ridiculous. (laughs) um monday tuesday (laughs) like we're gonna basically run with no more than a day off um every day between this coming thursday the 21st um and january 2nd so a lot of of a lot of football coming your way 
in the next two weeks. Yeah. Um, Very terrifying, in my opinion. Yeah. But, but no one gets will, injured. Yeah, hopefully nobody is injured on any teams. Um, and then we will just we'll be back. Um probably not until after all of those games. Weirdly enough, um City only has, I think, two games in that stretch. Um, yeah, but they have the Club World Cup. Yes, they have the Club World Cup. So they don't play um, again until, I think, the day after, like, a couple days after Christmas. Boxing um, Day? For, they don't actually play on Boxing Day. I think they play the day after. Oh. Um, nonetheless, City doesn't play again for a hot second um, in the Premier League. They're playing in the Club World Cup tomorrow. <laughs> But anyways, um, we shall see. There are lots, lots to happen um, in the next couple of weeks. Festive pictures, always a little crazy. Um, so always we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Um, we're, we'll leave the Premier League there. Sounds good. So we'll move along now to the Champions League, um, which wrapped up its group stages uh, last week um, and had its round of 16 draw today. Um, I was a big proponent last week of the Golasso show because um, there were too many games. I couldn't decide what to watch. There was um, definitely some late drama there were quite a few teams that still um needed to figure out who they were was um who was going through yeah Uh, particularly group a was still up for grabs but um at the end of the day uh byron beat menu um or did they beat menu or they time menu anyway Copenhagen beat Galatasaray, so it didn't My matter. My team won, everyone, so that's what matters. So, yeah, Copenhagen beat Galatasaray. Byron did meet Manu. Byron meet Manu, and... Um, 1-0, wasn't it? Yes, and then Copenhagen beat Galatasaray, so Copenhagen went through second in their group. Um, group B, oh. Arsenal PSB, which I think we thought was probably going to be the case, but hadn't been officially decided yet. Um yeah. Napoli, we already knew, was going through with Real Madrid. Um, Inter Milan went through with Real Sociedad, which I believe we we knew that that was likely. We knew that was happening. Yeah. Um, Group E, no surprises there. Atletico Madrid and Lazio. Group F was our group of death. Um, This was a little crazy because it came down really to the end here. Mostly because, um, mostly because uh, Dortmund and Paris and PSG tied, um, one one. Yeah, as they tied, uh, it really came down to who won the other game, uh, and goal difference. Yes. Now, unfortunately for us PSG haters, um, Milan. Yes. If had Newcastle won the game, Newcastle would have um, gone through. Yes. But unfortunately, Milan won the game, which meant 
PSG back to go. Sad, sad. Milan could have gone through if they had scored like five goals, but yeah, they didn't um, do that. They did not do that. They won two one. So, um, a little bit of a bummer for us PSG haters. Um, I really wanted Dortmund to score again, but unfortunately, the reality was Dortmund didn't need anything out of this game. They yes, draw a dog won them the group. Yeah. Um, so they once they got to a point where it was late enough in the game, they 100% paid played for the draw. Yeah. Um, which is you can understand there's no reason for them to risk themselves um trying to win the game when a draw wins them the group but it was annoying for me who wanted PSG to be out um yes yeah, Dortmund goes through one PSG goes through two uh group G we already knew uh City one Leipzig two uh Barcelona did enough to win their group and by did enough I mean the bare minimum <laughs> lost <laughs> they, they lost but they lost um but because they had Porto on the head to head uh tiebreaker they win they topped their group so uh Barcelona went through one and Porto through uh two on that um which brings us to this morning when we had the round of 16 draw Yes. I said to you, I, I when I texted you about this, I I said nothing too crazy. I said like n- no fireworks here, like yeah, nothing, um, nothing too interesting to be honest. Um, in the round of sixteen draw, um, mostly because um we didn't have very many. There's we usually see an, a firecracker or two finish second in their their group. Um, and then get placed with a, a heavy hitter. Um, yeah, but that didn't happen. And that didn't really happen this year. Um, we were saying earlier how there are not very many, we feel, heavy hitters in the Champions League yeah. this year. Um, yeah. But the round of 16 draw is as followed. Um, Arsenal drew Porto. Barcelona, Napoli, Real Sociedad, PSG, Inter Milan, Atletico Madrid, PSV, Dortmund, Lazio, Bayern, Copenhagen, Manchester City, and Leipzig, Real Madrid. Um, The reality of the situation is this. Mm, Except for maybe two of the games, one of the games, most of these have a a team that should win um you know arsenal should beat porto we talked about it a little bit but in in reality barcelona should beat napoli yeah psg should beat real sociedad dortmund should beat psv bayern should handle lazio mm-hmm. man city should be able to take care of business with copenhagen and real madrid should handle leipzig yes um, th- should is doing a lot of heavy lifting there to be honest. yes oh um, yeah i mean cuz Almost certainly we're going to see a couple of upsets, but all but one, all but one fixture has a clear underdog. In my opinion, the only one that doesn't is Atletico Madrid and Inter Milan. Um, That is, I think the closest thing we have to a firecracker fixture in the sense that the teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, You could make an argument that Barcelona Napoli is also that because I think those are closer than any of the other um, sort of matchups, but that is not to say that any of the teams are not good because I think interestingly enough, 
we don't have anybody like we don't have anybody I feel comfortable saying that team has no business in the round of 16 and yeah. we often do we yeah. often well that's because I think the groups were relatively evenly yeah like we we generally see um a couple of of group winners or second place teams where you're like what the fuck like how did you end up here right like yeah. somebody like the really easy draw and like on paper I think you would say Copenhagen is probably that team in this group um but I think that's not quite fair in reality out can't count as like, out. no but I mean I think on paper that's who you would pick yeah, from team and be like that's the weakest team that's but I think like in reality that's not really true um and that too yeah to sort of put them in that, like, how did you end up here um, group is is unfair when they were in a group with Galatasaray and Man United. Um, so I think, you know, ultimately these games are, are not going to be for a hot second, but, um, you know, they're not going to be until February, basically Valentine's Day. So we've got a hot yeah. minute until these games happen, but um, yeah nothing nothing too crazy unless something is crazy right like basically it's like the round the quarterfinals will be fairly predictable unless something crazy happens but it's a Champions League so something crazy always happens yeah Um, yeah it's gonna happen that's why you like it who knows who knows Mm -hmm. because the other thing is as I was just mentioning um they're not for another two months basically so Injuries, of any uh-oh. of these games is going to be two months from now truly who could say because we're going to have the january window so there's players are going to move a little bit um probably not a ton because it's january not the summer but there's going to be a little bit of movement um amongst some teams um we will also like you were just alluding to we never know who's going to get injured between now and then which uh, is sad but it's true which is sad but true you never know um so, you know, things could look very different then, or it could look very the same. Um, we're going to kind of leave it at there in terms of previewing that just because yeah, we'll preview again or, you we'll know, preview, we'll yeah, we'll preview it, again yeah. as we get closer to those games and have a better idea of what um, these teams are going to be looking like as they yeah. go head to head. But yeah, mostly we're just like, no. There's no sort of there's there always seems to be a sort of matchup where you're like, oh my god, how did they do that? Or yeah. or how are those two teams against each other in the round of 16, right? Yeah. Like yeah, it's always you usually see one of those. Um and we didn't see any of the this year. So um kind of exciting, honestly. Um, which is yeah. almost a bummer given that we we seem to finally have gotten it right in the Champions League um only for the format to be changing oh don't I keep forgetting that's a thing and I keep wanting to bang my head against the wall because I'm like why the fuck are we doing this yeah um I mean they're gonna do it one year and they're gonna change it back because they're gonna realize it's fucking stupid I wouldn't count on that no Um, they're they're so embezzled in their money that they don't care yeah FIFA uh, and UEFA are way too corrupt but um I think we should overthrow them. Power to the people. You know what, Rachel? I believe in you. I think you could lead the charge. I think I could. 
I mean, out of everyone, who do you think would be the one to lead a rebellion? It might honestly probably be me. Would yeah, probably. Rebellion? You got it. It's all you. Football rebellion, led by Rachel. Um, anyone should come join me if they want to. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. You better be. You're my right hand man. Well, Hell man. yeah. Um. Anyway, to the queen, and I'll just be the queen of football. I'll throw a revolution hey, to start hey, a hey, protector. I'll be protector of the realm. AKA, I'll be the loudmouth. <laughs> I'm supposed to be the protector of the realm if I'm the leader of the rebellion. No, you're the brain. You're the brains. I'm the brawn. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's definitely true. I'd probably try and negotiate it. You'd just be like, let's just go attack. <laughs> I'm the David Targaryen to your Rhaenyra. <laughs> let's move on to uh, which, what is there? You said something, and I don't remember what you said at the beginning of this. Is there a miscellaneous? Barcelona. Oh, um, right, but we had kind of talked about them. The longtime head coach of Barca women is has announced that he is going to leave um at the end of his contract at the end of the season um which is very big news because yes. like i said he's been there a while and he has won a lot Everything. yeah a lot of stuff with this barcelona wins team um so really hard to say who's going to come in after him really big shoes to fill um you don't hear very much about him um in the sort of general coaching scheme, because he seems to be, he comes off to me as a pretty quiet, sort of mild mannered yeah, kind of guy. Really chilled, kind uh, of. He doesn't seem to like. He's not much of a character in the way yeah. that like Emma Hayes is like a character in and of yeah. itself. Like, Emma Hayes is a great coach, but she's also a character, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Geraldes, uh, is not. He's not much of a character. He just kind of does his job very quietly. Yeah. Uh, but interestingly enough, he has stated that he is leaving for new opportunities outside of Europe. So it, that could mean a national team job. Many people think it is an NWSL job, specifically the Washington spirit, because um, allegedly his offer is like four or five times what Barcelona was offering him to renew and the spirit are out of coach and they got oodles of money from Michelle Kang's um, growing empire of women's soccer teams. She now owns three. Um, She owns in case you were unaware, uh, the Washington spirit uh, Lyon. And also um, she just recently purchased an English club in one of the lower leagues, the London Lionesses. Um, So her little empire is growing. She has stupid amounts of money. Um, And the suggestion is that she has offered said stupid amounts of money um, for him to take the Washington spirit job, which is interesting because it would essentially be Emma Hayes, but make it club because the NWSL season begins before Barcelona's season will be over and yeah. he will be sort of going out his contract. Now this is not official in the way it was when we discussed um the Emma Hayes news. Um but and if a little it, bit less or more like weird. I think like if it's a national team like you're not playing games constantly, it's like there's so well, many games. I think this is a it's about money. 
and yeah which is annoying but also, the other thing Florida is has no money so maybe that's well it's annoying but it's also not I would argue to I'm gonna I'm gonna put I'm gonna posit a couple situations for you I think one we've seen Spanish coaches do very very well um in the NWSL Gotham FC won the championship this past year their coach yeah. is Spanish coach and he obviously he won the league this year um so we've seen them do well um the reason I think the money thing is like maybe a good thing um is because women's coach coaches in the women's game and players in the women's game have long been undervalued um and so if we have Michelle Kang throwing money at coaches to get her team the best one of the best possible available coaches it raises the stakes and I think it raises the amount of money in the game which I think like as much as we hate the capitalist world that we live in like that is kind of the reality of sports unfortunately is that the people who are investing in them the people who have money and can sort of decide what happens like want to be making money they want these things to be valuable monetarily and while that is ethically like not what you or I are about like that is the reality of the business that they're in grow the game domestically in the u.s which i think ultimately we do like i'm just joking like i think that like putting more money into it and valuing coaches where they should be is ultimately a good thing as long as it works yeah like if he comes in and does really well, and like that's a big if because he hasn't he hasn't got a contract yet. He's not for sure coming. But if he if this is true, if he comes to the NWSL, if he takes over the Washington Spirit and he does really well, yeah, then there could be a sort of pile on roll down effect um, that helps the overall league. Yeah, I, mean, I, I agree. We've seen a lot of expansion teams in the NWSL the last couple of years. We saw the California teams come in. Um, Angel City and San Diego Wave. We had two new teams this year, Bay FC up in um, Northern California and uh, the Utah Royals are back. That's two new teams. They announced that there's going to be two new teams in the following season Mm -hmm. as well. So we're growing the amount of teams in the league literally every year. We added two new teams basically like at least every other year or every year the last several years. We're growing a lot. and there's a lot of things that that benefits um including sort of like i think bringing in european coaches to the league is not necessarily a bad thing yeah um, even if we're paying them exorbitant amounts of money to do so um because i think if we can instill I don't want to, the U.S. sort of s- s- soccer culture will never be European football culture. It yeah. will never. Um, we just have a different sort of sports infrastructure here. Um, for better or for worse, it's just different. Um, and it will never be the same. But I think if we can find a little bit of middle ground or marriage between American sports culture and European football culture and find that sort of 
nice middle place for American soccer to sit um, would be beneficial. And I think, you know, we've talked about pro-rel before um, in the U.S. soccer system and how that may or may not work um, with the infrastructure that we have and the way that we sort of view sports in the U.S. Um, But there, and I don't know that we're necessarily ever going to get to pro-rel, but I think we could get to somewhere maybe interesting that we haven't considered yet that is somewhere in the middle um yeah with it could happen things first and foremost in my opinion would be getting rid of things like the draft um yeah Yeah. fans and drafts but also the college drafts um we're finding more and more that the best players are not coming through drafts anyway the draft anyway um and so i will be interested to see if maybe that European influence maybe does away with a little bit of the draft culture. And if we move away from the draft culture entirely, I think that's a good step towards. Yeah, I agree. We still don't in most cases have academies on the women's side. Yeah. Um, And that is something I would like to see implemented in a way that we do in the um in the in Europe I think one of the biggest problems with the U.S. soccer system right now is that we have a pay-to-play um place uh system where essentially you have to pay money um in order to be on a team um I know this you know this we both played you know youth soccer my parents paid how god knows how much money for me and my four three sisters um to play you know travel soccer competitive travel soccer for you know our entire youth you know, until we were graduating high school, until we went to college. Um, And, you know, a lot of us are fortunate enough to that our parents can pay for us to play. Um, But there are God knows how many athletes that can't play soccer and don't play soccer because the system we have in place requires money. Um, And the more elite the team is, the more money it tends to cost. Um, So everything from tournament fees to team fees to all that kind of stuff, um, traveling, um, it all costs a lot of money. And the more, the better you are at it, the more money it costs. Um, and so I think eliminating things like the draft, implementing things like academies that are not pay to play, um, are sort of, I think the next steps in sort of U S soccer evolution, um, We've seen MLS academies produce some pretty good talent. I won't lie. Yeah. Um, and so I think they could produce more talent, but um, we've seen them start to produce, you know, some some good stuff. Gio Reyna came out of it, um, an MLS academy. Tyler Adams did. The Aronson brothers did. Mm. Um, you know, we see some talent coming out of there. I think if we can start to build that sort of thing on the women's side, that would be great. Um, I think that's a model we definitely could could use yeah I agree I agree I also think we should have some relegation but I feel like we can't do that yet so right like I said like I don't know that I don't know that we will American sports culture will ever allow us to fully get to pro rel um but no probably not I also think that we should change the time of the seasons I actually think that that plays a massive role in it 
I think yeah. that they need to line it up with everyone else. I, I agree. I think part of the problem is the U.S. seasons and the vastness of the U.S. comes ranges quite a bit. Um, you know, you get anything from. And I think the other reason is they want to compete for broadcasting wise. They only want to compete with baseball. They don't want to have to compete with hockey, football, and basketball. Yeah. I mean, I think that it makes sense. I think that they're not going to be, I think it's going to hurt them probably until they get away with playoffs and just do like a whole season. I think that it hurts them for international play too. I think having a season that then gets it does hurt they truncated by yeah for international breaks for international play and stuff and also international breaks it's like really it, if it doesn't line up then how are you supposed to like it's it's a problem I think yeah but at the same time like I don't know what the solution is because I do agree with you it makes sense for like airtime yeah and, and like but it's interesting as well because like Australia for example they're uh, the Australian Women's League runs basically the same as the NWSL yeah um, and you oftentimes see players play in both or you used to see this a lot more. You see it less now, but you used to yeah. see a lot of times players play in both leagues. Like yeah. they play in, in Europe for like the sort of school year season. And then in the NWSL or in the Australian yeah. league, for the summer season, you don't see that much that as much now. No, they don't um, need it because yeah, they don't need it. But that I think it was kept for a long time because of that as well. Yeah. Um, that I would be sure. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll just be interested to see, you know, sort of where the NWSL goes over the next couple of years, especially as we add more and more teams, um, because, you know, more and more teams, more and more games, what we're going to see happen um, and sort of go from there. Yeah. Last note about the women's game, some rumors floating around about a certain American defender and a certain WSL team. Naomi Irma was at Arsenal last week. Oh, I did know this. I did know this. And And I think she should go because we'd actually need some better center backs. And if she does, she could play next to Leah Williamson when she gets back. And I think that would be really good for her, but also would be really good for my team. It's one of those things where it's like at surface level, she was in London because she was visiting Katarina Macario, who she is very good friends with from college days, right? On surface level, like that's why she was there. On not less surface level, Naomi Gurma is one of the best center backs out there. Um, Certainly the best center back in the NWSL, but up there in the world. She's very 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 good. Um, And Arsenal needs a center back. So come to us. Just something to keep an eye on. There, keep an eye on. Um, other fun Arsenal news is that Viviana Mirima and Beth Mead just like put out a documentary together solely about them healing from their ACLs. But it's just like them flirting with each other. I'm like, it's the clips I've seen are very cute. I'm looking forward to getting time to be able to watch. So funny. I'm like. I I'm like Arsenal just like doesn't give a shit. They're just like this is fantastic media let's let's make it into a documentary and i'm like thank you their dog they have together is so cute he is very cute uh 
but we will leave it on the the medima um it doesn't work as well when it's you say it as opposed to when it's written out no. uh, it's me and medima um but we'll leave it on the note of their dog um i don't have anything else to say no i don't either i think that we shall talk to you after the festive fixtures yeah so we will talk to you this is actually the last time we're going to talk to you this year um we will see you in the new year actually um so happy holidays to for whatever you celebrate and happy new year and we will see you in 2024 terrifying That's all for this week. We'll see you next week on Kicking Balls.